Welcome to Trail and Error, a look at the trail running world from the podium to the pack with your hosts Jay Grady and Tristan Stevenson. We decided to start our own trail running podcast to talk to the people we find interesting in the trail and ultra running world, to find out their highs and lows, their momentous successes and their abject failures, and to perhaps give us all a little bit of inspiration to take on some adventures and challenges of our own. We'll be speaking to runners and athletes, race directors and coaches, sports nutritionists and doctors to get the best out of our own running and hopefully yours too. We hope you enjoy the podcast and if you do, please hit like and subscribe via all the normal podcast feeds. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Trail and Error. Hello, Tris. Hi, Jay. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. It's obviously race season um, since we, I've just done a race and you are preparing to race this weekend, which is the, only the weekend after I've just raced. So um, what's going on here? I thought we were supposed to race in the summer, no? <laughs> Packing them in. Um, well, that's the beauty of trail running, isn't it? I mean, I always say to people, there must be a race, especially where we live in Cornwall, there must be a race almost every weekend, trail, ra- trail races. Yeah, probably, yeah. Probably is now. You're not restricted by you know road closures things like that and stuff so yeah it's uh well and also with ultras especially it seems like people quite like racing in sort of crappier conditions because it just makes it a little bit harder and more grueling and covered in mud and crap yeah yeah so um what are you racing i am off to the island of la palma in the canary islands uh to race um transvulcania by utmb uh which is a bit of a beast. So this is your ticket into um, the UTMB in uh, the Alps, right? Because you've now got to race one of their kind of official races in order to get in, haven't you? Yeah, they have a walled garden of mountain races now. They've bought 25 uh, mountain ultras or mountain races uh, around the world um, on each continent. Well, not on each continent, but each populated continent. And now... Um, you have to do a race organized by or owned by UTMB to get what they call stones, which are basically names in the hat to go into the ballot to be drawn against the available places in Chamonix in August. So they literally ask you, are you sure you've got the stones to race this? Literally put your stones <laughs> in the bag and we'll, we'll see if we can pull one of yours out. Uh, you need the cojones as they say. Yeah. Um, but you only need one stone in your bag. At least one, yeah. One oh, gets you one. One, one, one entry. And based, okay. based on the difficulty and the endurance of the... The difficulty of the race basically defines how many stones you, you gain should you finish the race. So you gotcha. need a minimum of one. And this race gets me three names into the hat for next year. So there's no guarantee it will get you into UTMB week, which is like the final week. Uh, and then that, that takes your stones away. But if you don't get through for the ballot, so I pre-registered for the full UTMB next year, the big dance, as they call it, the full 100 miler. Um, if I finish when I finish UTMB Transvulcania, uh, three, three stones going to that. If I'm unsuccessful, I get those stones back to try again for 2024. So they're only valid for two applications, two years? I think it is two years, yeah um they used to do a thing where it might be three actually because they used to do a thing where where you would be guaranteed after three ballot attempts you would get in so i haven't seen any literature to say that's still the case but it's definitely uh you get your stones back and try again because you use your stones up in the race they basically take them back if you're successful you don't get them back again oh those hands are very painful but it... <laughs> <laughs> not as painful as the race i'm doing um <laughs> So it was funny, actually, when you were describing on your on our last episode, you described how you were going back to take on unfinished business and how this the failure that you'd had or the bad performances you had yeah. on the Dramathon had spurred you on. And and my kind of history in, in ultra running started for, for proper races back in, I think, 2015, uh, either 2014 or 2015. Anyway, having done the, the not insignificant classic quarter at 44 miles on the Cornish coast. I thought I was somehow like Scott Jurek. And so <laughs> having done one Cornish 45 miler, um, 
a bit of a grind, I have to say as well. I signed up for Transylvania, um, arguably one of the toughest mountain races in Europe. There are some tougher ones now, but it, it, it's brutal. It, it's absolutely brutal. We spoke about this race many times now, but uh, it's harsh. And uh, so I took it on and I just, I failed. At, I DNF'd. I, I didn't make the top cut off by 10 minutes after climbing 32 miles and about 11, no, no 14,000 feet of climb. Um, I missed the cut off by 10 minutes. Not exactly Gary Robbins and the Barclay Marathons in 60 hours and one second or six seconds, but uh, it was it was a bit of a dick punch, if I'm honest. It, it, it blew my kind of confidence, but it meant I had to go away and, and learn how to run again because clearly I, I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, and I didn't understand altitude, and we've learned a lot about how we race at altitude and train for altitude now as well, and that's really helped. So, yeah, it's going back to finish some unfinished business. Mm. So it is 75 kilometers and about four and a half thousand meters of elevation gain and loss. So oh, actually, yeah, yeah, 14 and a half thousand feet in total. Mm-hmm. With the highest point of a shade under 8,000 feet, 7,950 or something like that. Um, yeah, it's a um, bit of a monster. Yeah, just under two and a half thousand meters that is. Yeah, it looks like from I'm looking at the um, uh, profile. The profile. It looks like I mean the most the va- like over half of the climbing is in that first ascent. Yeah, you um, climb to seven and a half thousand feet in the first seventeen kilometers. Yeah, and then you you're almost on a sort of ridge line there, and you drop down a bit, and then you do go up again for the sort of biggest, the highest uh, mountain in the whole yeah, race. So, so you're only you... climbing about looks like around about. It's probably about eight, eight or nine hundred meters. To be fair, yeah, yeah, you've got roughly um, about thirty-two kilometers where you're climbing constantly, hmm. um, and, but you've you've also got which is the sting in the tail on this one, which is part of the error I made last time. At the top, there's a, a series of observatories called uh, a place called Rocky de la Machochos, and at the top Wasn't he there. A boxer? You... <laughs> I think that was Rocky. Rocky no, I can't remember Rocky's surname. Wasn't Lomachochos? <laughs> Maybe it was the the Mexican dub. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's Mexican wrestler version of Rocky. I reckon there's a Mexican wrestler called Rocky. Rocky de Lomachochos. I tell yeah. you what, I'm not going to be singing that song and punching my arms all the way up that bloody climb. <laughs> I've done that on the steps in Philadelphia. Actually, everybody does, but it was um, much shorter, <laughs> a sustainable climb that for me. Um, so yeah, you climb up seventeen kilometers from sea level uh, up to seven seven and a half thousand feet on mostly on volcanic sand and trail. So it's pretty brutal. The rocks are volcanic glass, uh, so the, the the path is wide enough for maybe two runners, one runner for most of it. And if you slip and fall, there's a good chance you're going to slice yourself open for for certainly on the early sections of that race. Uh, so you want to path? It's it, well, you've got twelve hundred runners funneling into single or double width path. Mm. Um, it kicks up a load of dust. Now they're starting the race later this year. They're starting at seven, so normally it starts in the dark at six, but they're starting at seven, so it should be daylight this time. So I'll need a head torch at the end rather than the beginning. But it kicks right. up so much dust. It's like running in uh, fog for parts of it. Um, but the fog is uh, fine particles of volcanic glass which scour your throat so that a couple of days afterwards you have a really sore throat. Is there Are there any kind of like really dangerous wild animals that you should be fearful of as well? Maybe, I don't know, murderers, muggers, highwaymen? No, there is an active volcano. Um, okay, that- <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's slightly more effective than any of the aforementioned threats uh, at ending your life. Um, so the bit where you run down into the saddleback on the profile, that's up to rock eight. That's actually running around, um, the caldera of the volcano. So you're running around the lip, the rip, the rim of it. So last time I did it, it was full of cloud. Um, so we were running above the clouds at that point. Uh, so you look down and it looked all fluffy and nice. And then every now and again, just to remind you what you were looking at, there'd be these jagged spires of clawed hands of rock coming up through it. And you just kind of looked in and went, I really don't want to fall in there. It just looks <laughs> like it would eat you. Um, so, yeah, this volcano was kicking off last year. So this is the first 
time it's been held since 2019. So COVID and then last year, the volcano. And it's normally run in May. So hence the changing in start times and stuff. But you, you get to yeah. see pretty much the whole of the island, eh? Um, oh, God, yeah. Because, yeah, because the, the, it's a small island anyway. But the way the route goes, I don't reckon there's a part of the island you can't kind of glimpse at at some point on this route. So long as the cloud is is right. Yeah, yeah. So you, you start this race, uh, and certainly last time I ran it, you start and, and halfway up the climb, I looked over to the right, and there was the sun coming up behind Tenerife, 70 odd miles away. Uh, and then, yeah, it, I went up into the clouds, and I was in the clouds forever. It was the race I realized that if you think there are false summits, you're in for disappointment. Well, if you think you're at the summit, there's, you're in for disappointment because it just went on and on yeah. and on and on. And you run through seven different um, climate, kind of distinct climate zones as well, including rainforest. Um, and all I could hear when I was running was the air ambulances scurrying around. Um, there was a double femur break the year I did it, uh, masses of uh, lacerations. Uh, I think some fella got air ambulanced out with suspected uh, a heart attack and stuff like that. You just see people running past you with stretchers charging down the mm. hill carrying these collapsible stretchers and you don't know where oh. they're going but um yeah so it, it is super brutal uh killian's wife um emily got pulled out a few years ago she put her hand down on a rock to kind of you know, as you do push yourself up a little bit and she sliced her hand open down to the tendons so <laughs> you've got to be uber careful all right so all right we've established it's pretty easy um <laughs> so um how's your preparation gone for it good i mean i'm off the back of ccc and a whole sort of six month training block from that that was six six seven weeks ago so i'm recovered uh i take a while to recover from these things unfortunately um and i didn't do any running at all i think for three weeks and i've only done sort of four or five runs since but i've been doing lots of gentle as it were or short amounts of s and c uh, and lots and lots of yoga. So the body is ready for it. Um, I'm pretty much, I hope, still trained from CCC. It's not going to go anywhere in seven weeks. Um, mm. So that's all still good. And all that uh, stair climbing I did on the stair masters should still be in the legs. Um, so that sustained climb, I'm not too frightened by it. I've got, in my mind, I've got three hours to get to the top of the first climb. Um, it's really the descent on the opposite end. And and so I've been preparing the quads again with these slow, actually you, you put me onto them, the slow plyometric descents on one leg mm. to, to ready the quads. Cause mm. from Roque, you come down seven from seven and a half thousand feet or at nearly 8,000 feet. You come down to sea level in seven miles. Yeah. Look, actually it looks like 17 kilometers. Um, so you got 17 kilometers and for the, um, metrics amongst us it's nearly 2500 meters of descent so that means mm. you're taking out about well roughly 150 meters per kilometer which is pretty downhill like that's that's steep um and it's left and right turns all the way down yeah so it's little switchback pass they actually do the vertical k up that side um so yeah you you run all the way down that smashing the quads um loading up the you know the acls and the mcls sorry the lcls and the mcls and the ankles uh and then you get to the bottom of there and you run through a, a delightful valley up a dry riverbed called the valley of sorrows um and then you climb up a big concrete kind of access way into the town of los lanos where then everybody comes out and cheers you on so you have mm. to run fast then yeah it looks so. like there's a cheeky little sort of 200 300 meter climb right at the end there yeah. yeah. And and that kind of it, that's interesting. I looked at our friend Stephen Cousins' times on this. He's run it in 2016, 17, and 18. And there's a huge variation in his times, maybe an hour and a half in, in the different years. And it all start the variation starts on the on the top up there by Roque. As you descend down, his his times vary massively on how well he's handled that descent. Mm, okay. So it's a huge so part of the race. What, what out of interest, what are his times then? Like, what sort of times? Um, between 12 and a half and 13 and a half hours. Okay. That, doesn't, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
on the on the official website you know often these races show sort of fast fastest times or fastest people expected through at mm. and slowest or the cutoffs or whatever it seems like there's some motherfuckers who reckon they can do this in what are we looking at here about seven about, hours yeah between seven and eight hours yeah yeah it's insane fast that's six minute kilometers basically um which with all that climbing and descending is impressive um what are you what are you gunning for here gold gold if you like would be for me 13 13 okay yeah I'm, I'm hoping between 13 and 14 hour finish i'm actually okay. hoping a little bit faster than that but it's going to depend on the day i'm i got to the top in 11 10 last time i'm aiming to be at the top in around nine hours just after nine hours this time so that's starting at seven in the morning and getting up there by about four in the afternoon yep um and then an overall time around 13 hours would be fantastic i think um depends depends on the day doesn't it but um it there's not that many unknowns now i haven't done the downhill section but i i i have the the climb scarred in me uh there's no forgetting that so uh i'm looking forward to it though it's a beautiful island i mean it's literally the uh it's the the place that madonna wrote the lies lebanita song about the beautiful island hmm. so it's stunning but it comes at a cost yeah um quite like the look of it myself might have a crack at this one one day if i'm ever going to do the utmb maybe this is the one to go for um, that's good, good way to take the family as well there's lots of resort places yeah distance is like sensible as well it's not too nothing too crazy i mean that's actually it's yeah less than two marathons isn't it so mm. i mean obviously there's quite a bit of climbing in there but um yeah i'm gets- interested to see what the front runners are like going up that first 17k because they're averaging 100 meters of elevation per kilometer which is freaking nasty kind of elevation because if you're a good runner you can run it but can you run it for 17 kilometers and they do it's insane so you you, you can watch this on utmb i mean obviously it's no good to, to people now uh, when this comes out but you can watch it on utmb live mm. they're, they're broadcasting the whole thing via helicopters oh, cool. um you'd have to watch the whole thing by the way you can just watch the first seven hours and don't then... worry i'll watch every second of it mate i'll um... message you when i'm done <laughs> <laughs> I am trying something new this time, though. I'm trying uh, a, a preloading um, race strategy with some something called sodium tribasic phosphate, which is kind of an alternative to bicarbonate soda, which I've tried before with that um, uh, cream that you rub into the legs to try and offset lactic acid buildup by introducing an alkaline into the system. Uh, Mark Bubbs wrote about it in Peak. Um, but the sodium tribasic phosphate is there's quite a few uh, white papers out now about um, the benefits of it for endurance athletes. So um, I've started this morning taking uh, a supplement for the next four days, um, 16 tablets uh, a day for four days. So I will rattle when I get there. Um, but we'll mm-hmm. try. We'll see what, see what that does. It'll be interesting. It's, it's a race that I think I can finish. Um, I don't think there'll be any ill effects from this or certainly if I'm feeling them, I'll feel them early. Uh, from taking the supplement so i'm going to try that and everything else is pretty much old hat the race kit is is a cut down version of the utmb uh chamonix kit list so uh less cold weather gear obviously although you still need a base layer and a waterproof jacket um what's the weather going to be like hot but hot at the when you're up high yeah it's gonna it'll depend The, the the interesting thing is with these um although the temperature comes down the uv index remains high obviously so you'll still get burned and so even though it's cooler, you have to still maintain uh, sunscreen and shade because obviously, like we said before, if you get burned, it's it's inflammation and your body has to divert resources. So, yeah, it's all um, it's all to, to play for, basically. I'll go out there and uh, give it a bash. Mate, good luck. Um, I think this is quite well suited to you. I mean, it's it's going to be easier than CCC, I would think, and um, beautiful scenery. Um, you just got to, yeah, prepare yourself for that descent as much as anything, I should think. Um, yeah. I'm not going to let it get in my head until I get there. Yeah. All right. Well, good uh, luck. And we'll we will um, see you after 75 kilometers and four and a half thousand meters in about 12, 10 seconds, shall we say? Beer doddle. Speak to you in 10. Good luck. Cheers, mate. Bye.
Okay, and we are back for the second half of the podcast. How are you doing there, Jay? I am done. I'm good. I'm good. I've finished Transylvania. Um, cool. We're now on... You make, you make it sound easy. <laughs> Man, it's a tough race. It really is. Um, yeah, it, it went wrong, which we can get into, and, and then it came right, and then I had a whole moment of, again, as we've talked about before, trolling into stupid sport. Why am I doing it? It's not for me. I should take up tennis. Uh, straight back into, yeah, man, let's do some big challenges next year. So, the full... So, what you're telling me is you don't learn. <laughs> maybe I learn too quickly and then relearn new things. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the learning process, you don't... Yeah, okay. So, um, <clears throat> well, let's talk a little bit about the race then. Um, do you want to talk? Do you want to give us the sort of blow-by-blow account of how it went down so it was well when did the day start the day started about half past no quarter to three up normal things have breakfast and then head down sam drove me down into uh the place where the race finishes called los lanos which is um about a, an hour and 15 coach drive away from the start so down there jump on the bus uh half four um bus with uh richard hurdle Haley, and, and one of their friends as well uh from cornwall so all down to the start huge event at the start obviously um i think maybe a thousand runners or something like that so it's a it's a big old event and you wander down it was 1100 is it 1100 yeah so um bimble down to the the pen where they hold you down by the lighthouse uh, race got delayed because of, uh, I don't know, some people hadn't arrived in time or something. So that five, 10 minute delay. And then they really whip you up. Um, it's warm, uh, as you would expect in the Canary Islands at that time in the morning, still, uh, no wind. So it was very, very, very mild. And then off you go and you, you, they've changed the start since I last did it, where you used to funnel up a very narrow, uh, path with lined with very, very sharp rocks. Um, and they just had too many injuries, I think, and too much, too too much, or too many people trying to funnel into such a small space. So they now take you up the road, which is much nicer. Adds about half a kilometre, but you don't mind that at the start. You, you curse it at the end, but at the start it's fine. Add an extra half. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, do you remember me telling you that there was a, a guy on CCC, a French guy that tried to go around the outside and got booed and jeered and heckled? I pretty sure i bumped into the same guy twice on this event once he tried to cut in line at the um expo when i was asking for bus details and then i saw the same guy sneaking in front at, at the uh, or trying to cut around the queue at uh, transylvania so he's a serial queue jumper so um we funneled into uh the narrower part and then then you climb and you climb and you climb and you climb and then you climb some more um most of it after a place called Los Canarios is, I'm going to get that wrong, but it was Los Canarios, I'm pretty sure. You, um, you basically, you're on volcanic dust, sand, compacted sand, and you climb for a good 17 kilometers. Um, yeah, I think we covered this in the first half, 17 kilometers, and it's about 1,700 meters of uh, elevation gain, so roughly 100 meters per kilometer, although it does vary, I think, from kilometer to kilometer, doesn't it, mm. the actual elevation? Yeah. And, and it's beautiful scenery, the blacks and the greens, and, and that all went really well. And then you descend eventually into a place called El Pilar, still feeling good, had a tiny bit of a hot spot where a bit of uh, debris had got into uh, my shoe, and I think started to rub my toe, so I... I so how far, how, how long have you been running at this point then after, how long did it take you to get up that first big hill? Well, I started to overheat. So I was planning to get to the top of the first hill at three hours. And I think I got there just after four. Um, and I was starting to cook a little bit. I could feel myself overheating. So I slowed down. I didn't want to make the same mistake as I did in CCC where I just pushed and destroyed myself. So I thought back off, go more slowly. Um, manage the race how hot was it like what was the temperature like uh, you know as you went up the hill presumably it changed as you went but it's hard because the temperature isn't necessarily the defining factor um it's the uv mm. rate or the uv index as you're going higher you you, the, you can be cooled by the breezes but it's the uv that's hitting your skin warming your body so you may not feel that hot but you're still getting cooked 
and for mm. I don't know why it got to me. Um, well, also it can be the exertion as well, right? Mm. Um, like the pure altitude. sort of yeah. So you're work if you're working really really hard, <clears throat> then um, you can you are in danger of getting to heat exhaustion, state of heat exhaustion, um, or heat stroke. Um, and so I that felt, could be a factor as well. I felt okay when I got into El Pilar and you had worked hard, but I thought I'd managed it. And then you, you from El Pilar to a place called El Reventon, um, it's fairly runnable. There's a couple of lumpy bits, but it's fairly runnable. So I wanted to make sure I used all that. Got to El Reventon again, feeling not too bad. Um, got some more nutrition in, got some more water in. And then you start a huge climb up to pretty much from El Reventon, which is 32K in. I got there, I think about seven hours in. Um, maybe, no, I think I got there about an hour after schedule still. So still about six hours there. So an hour behind and then it all went to shit. Um, that's, just, that's just before this sort of second big climb, isn't yeah. it? El Reventon. Roughly yeah. halfway yeah. through the race. Uh, you've got the biggest mm. gap between aid stations. And it's some serious ups and some serious downs. And you, you can't really see much because there's a lot of switchbacks. You don't really know where you are. Um, you just know that it's always up or always down. It's just it's long climbs, long, long descents. Uh, but you're generally going upwards. You're climbing, you're climbing, you're climbing. Um, and some of the race distances. Yeah, on the, on, the, on the elevation profile, it looks like you're doing around about... I'd say uh, 700 meters of total climbing, but because you're going down and then up, it's actually yeah. probably more like a thousand on that section or even more than that maybe and it, um, because you've got wiggly bits. Yeah, yeah, it's always up and down. And you, the terrain wasn't too bad. It was probably hiking path. It is a national park, so you're going on hiking paths and it felt like a, a normal hiking path, um, fairly solid underfoot. Um, and then... Yeah, you, you, you come to a place called uh, Pico de la Cruz, which is uh, up on the top. So I was running. I knew I was in a shit state. I hadn't been able to take on any, any nutrition. I had loads on me. Uh, everything was coming up. I was vomiting. Um, I emptied my, my contents of my stomach out. I have to say, Morton's is, is not too bad going down for me. Coming up, it's pretty fucking hideous. It's like big globs. Oh dear, there goes your... Morton's there goes your sponsorship. sponsorship of Morton's. To be fair, they guarantee it going in. They don't mention it coming back. Uh, ah, it's in the small print. Um, so what? So so do you think what what was the cause of the vomiting? Do you think do you think it was heat, like you, you as in like heat exhaustion, or do you think like you tried to take on too much fluid, for example, and then you know it's just churning around? I think it was the classic um, dehydration leading to the gut going into distress from lack of blood uh it was trying to cool so you me. think it was de de you think you weren't taking on enough fluids in oh, the no. early part of the race i know i wasn't because you, you obviously on these hot ones you tr you you can try and pee uh it's a good indicator of whether you've got enough fluids on and the tap was empty um mm. so, you know just couldn't pee knew i was out of and i carried two and a half liters of waters i filled up two and a half liters of uh, soft flask going into El Reventon uh, or coming out there. I knew that it was a long, long old haul. Even if it went well, it was going to be three hours before I got to another aid station and it was hot. Um, so yeah, I had plenty of how much, did, did you know How much of that did you consume out of El Reventon? Uh, by the time I got to El Pique, uh, sorry, I, I had probably a quarter of a soft flask left. I was getting the water in, but it was barely touching the sides. So I was playing catch So you, up, you consumed... You consumed two and a half liters of liquid and still couldn't in pee. that fifteen and a half kilometer stretch. Yeah, I think I think I was playing catch up. I think it was already the die was cast. So yeah, I mean it's possible that you, I mean it's possible that you 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 were actually over consuming and that was what was making you sick. Potentially, but the fact I couldn't pee, maybe you know, and it was so humid as well. So the sweat isn't evaporating off of your skin. So your, your clothes are sopping wet because the water won't evaporate because the, the air's too moist. So it's not, the sweat isn't cooling you anymore. Um, mm, but if it's not evaporating off your skin, then you're probably not sweating as much either. It just can't go anywhere. So the heat builds up inside you, I think. 
um yeah yeah but then that's that and that that will then lead to heat exhaustion or heat stroke but not necessarily dehydration mm, um maybe i i don't know it, it sometimes these things can be a bit counterintuitive um and you know I, i've the the I was just reading about it actually in Endure by Alex Hutchinson. He was talking about the difference between dehydration and um, heat stroke and heat exhaustion. Three, three quite different things. And um, yeah, it's fascinating. Some of the sort of the data on it with with hydration during big endurance efforts. And um, I mean, Haile Gabri Selassie, who was the greatest the endurance runner of all yeah. time until uh, all the records start getting smashed. He used to lose 10% of his body weight in, an, in a marathon in two hours. Wow. Um, and yet we're still setting world records, you know? Mm. And all the official guidance on this stuff has changed as well. They now think that it's totally appropriate for you to be sort of 3 or 4% dehydrated if you're, you know, running these sort of long races. So it's so difficult. And I know the advice has changed as well around like how much you should drink and like drinking to thirst and all this kind of yeah. thing. Um, it's definitely a fine balance and I don't know, I wonder if perhaps possibly you were on the borderline of heat exhaustion or heat stroke. Um, and then the, you, you're putting too much liquid inside yourself because two and a half liters of liquid or two and a quarter liters of liquid, um, is a lot. Um, and then that, you know, that in turn with the heat and the sort of, um, nausea that comes with that. And then just chuck it all straight back out again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, potentially. I mean, I'd lost a lot um, through. I mean, after a while, you know, it's like you you lose the kind of the easy easy parts to vomit, and it becomes that gut wrenching bio thing. So I just gave up fueling at one point. I thought I'm I'm not going to try and take anything else on now. And I think it's mm. I almost resigned myself at one point. I thought, you know what, I'm I can't take anything on. It's not going in. Um, so now I'm just going to run until I run out of fuel. Uh, or move into yeah. fuel, but I ran everything that was runnable, and and walked all the the, the climbs that I couldn't run. Uh, but everything either slightly downhill or, or flat got run, and I ran, and I pushed as hard as I possibly could, and I stopped for um, I got one half soft no one soft flask filled up at Pico, uh, and then which is four kilometers from Roque and Roque is the bit where I missed the cutoff in 2016 by 10 minutes. And I knew that it was further on than the observatories. And, and I got to Pico and I still hadn't got to the observatories. So I had about 4K to go. And it's not flat up there. The profile really doesn't do it justice. You are still up and down an awful lot, you know, 100 feet, 200 mm. feet at a time, up and down. And you're at 8,000 feet nearly now. So it's hard running. But I knew yeah. that the clock was ticking and I looked at my watch and I'm thinking, fuck you, Transfocania, you're not going to get me again. And then I saw the, the, the sweep bus on the road coming up and that was like, <laughs> I was like, screw you, screw you, I'm not going down on a bloody bus again. So I, I hold ass and I just, yeah, I, I, I'm, I've worked so fucking hard. Um, and I'm running up the last. This bit. is about the, this is about the time when um, I started sort of tracking you more or less constantly. I, I mean, I've been checking in on you during the day, <clears throat> and um, we were getting word from Sam as well about your progress. And then it became clear that you were sort of reasonably near the cutoff mm. on the on the Pico and um, Rocky de la Muchacho checkpoints. Um, and so we were tracking you quite closely after that. And it was um, fairly nail-biting stuff, <laughs> I've got to say. Yeah, I can imagine. It was, it was fairly hair-raising for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I got, I got through in 10 minutes, 10 minutes to spare. And uh, one of the things that hit me last time when I didn't make it was I didn't understand the course well enough at the top. I thought you, when you got to the observatories, and I was chatting to somebody on the way down yesterday, running down, not yesterday, the day before, sorry. Uh, on Saturday of the race day and uh, he hadn't done it before and he said you know I got to the observatories and thought that was it and I went oh no it's like another k and a half and he went yeah it's a lot isn't it and so I knew that when I got there I was I still had to keep pushing and then mm. when I got through the the CP this time there was last time there was a timing gate right at the door when you when you finish the climb you go into a, a, a giant gazebo and there was a timing strip right there 
and I'd missed it. So he cut my timing chip off then. He apologized, cut my timing chip off. And I sat down and it was, it was really tough actually because there were people still sat in the aid station, the 2016 this was, that still hadn't left yet. And yet my race was over. So technically somebody had conceived that there was enough time to get to the finish. But for me, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't gonna happen. So I remember feeling really distraught by that. And then this year, of course, I got through and there was no timing gate on the, on the start. And I thought, oh, that's weird. But I was a bit out of it, as you can imagine. And, um, mm. and then the guy walked over and he says, um, 10 minutes, you have, to, you have to leave in 10 minutes now. And I thought, oh shit, the timing gate is as you exit. And I looked, I looked around for it and there is the timing gate as you leave now. So they brought it much more in line with the rest of UTMB. Now it's a UTMB race. So you had to leave the checkpoint by 11 hours. And I got in there in 10 hours and 50. Um, but that was fine. Was there anyone else? Was there anyone else, um, in your sort of, uh, <clears throat> like immediate, um, area, like in front of you, behind you and very other busy. races? Very busy. Um, yeah, there must've been about 50, 60 runners there. Uh, people still coming in after me. There's a poor German guy waiting for his friend. And I don't think his friend made it. He, he had to kind of like go and leave his mate behind, not having got through. Um, and then the descent, and I thought, great, descent. And I've never done this bit before. <laughs> so I set off running hmm. down. And first of all, you hit some... It's a huge descent, hey. It's oh. two, two, nearly two and a half thousand meters yeah. in one hit. Yeah. Eight, eight, so seven, the, the car park where you go through into the checkpoint is at 7,999 feet above sea level. And then you run down to Tazacorte at sea level on the beach. Um, in uh, a little over seven miles, I think it is. So it's full on. Uh, it's about 10 miles, it's actually. 10 miles, it's 17 yeah. kilometers. Yeah, yeah. That's right, 17K. So yeah. um, I started running down and straight away I went onto some road. And you know how much of a fan I am of tarmac. So I was like, <laughs> fuck you, this hurts. And then I came off of there. And I, in my mind, you know, it's always dangerous, isn't it? If you don't know the course to visualize, pre-visualize it and pretend or, or assume that it's going to be something. It was really not what I thought it was going to be. I came off the road and uh, started running down a little bit of trail. And I thought, this is good. This is good. I can, I can deal with downhills. I've proved that a couple of months ago. I'm, I'm good on this stuff now. I'm, I'm feeling better. I know that the oxygen is going to come. I've just eaten a couple of pieces of bananas and they're staying down. So all is good. I just have to get down to Tazakorta before the cutoff now. Well, team first, but then Tazakorta. And so I set off down and immediately looked across the valley and there's some runners going up this, what felt like a massive hill opposite me. So it was like, oh, you're fucking kidding me. So I ran down, ran up, and then another one down into the valley, up the other side. And I just thought, oh, please, man, come on. Just, just be, be nice now. And then it kind of all settled out. It was... Um, it was downhill. It was forest. It was, again, it was a bit, I, I always refer back to it. It was like a giant Cardinum woods, which is near, near your house, mm. obviously. And uh, so quiet because my ears hadn't popped. So I was running along thinking how mm. quiet it was and, and then finally cleared my ears and I could hear the noise of the forest. But um, oh, you know, nice. I was in a little bubble. And, and just a, some really good runners around me, some nice Spanish people, some Germans, an Irish chap. Uh, and it, 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 was, it was dark by this point, was it? No, still light. I, so I came into LT, okay. which is 62K, just as it was starting to get dark. Um, just managed to get in there without my head torch on. Helped to chap out with some salt tablets. So he's a, a listener of ours in Ireland. Uh, shout out to Rodney. And then um, head torch on. And then it became really horrible for well down to sea level really it wasn't much fun there was some really rocky riverbed paths that were hard on the knees and the toes and then down to just above Tazakota, you're running through some big uh between big banana plantations on very steep uh concrete roads so kind of like the old uh, san francisco roads leaping down to the bay so lots of pounding of the knees um quite humid very dark now and then Tazacorte, which is the infamous switchbacks, left, right, left, right, left, right, all the way down to sea level. Uh, good knee killers. But the legs were feeling really good. That's the great thing. So my head's in a better space because I know I'm going to finish. Um, 
I, I still don't know when my fuel is going to run out. Uh, I'm keep expecting to bonk at any moment because I've not eaten in nearly, well, hadn't eaten from 25k onwards, really. Salt tablets and a few banana bits now. And then you come out at Tazacorte. I, I cleared the cutoff there, which is at sea level. Uh, and also, then, though, if you're if this is if this is like mostly downhill section, <clears throat> depending on your sort of exhaustion level, you may have been operating at sort of like zone one, maybe low low zone two heart rate, and so actually, like exogenous carbohydrates aren't necessarily essential at that point. You're just burning fat um, and cruising along, so you don't necessarily need huge amounts of fuel unless you're like really putting you know the pedal to the metal, which I don't think you were at that point. And I think you're right. I think I think it was uh, th- it worked out perfectly in a way. I, c- I could descend into thicker air, uh, minimal fuel. Uh, gravity's doing all the work. The knees are holding out really well. The body's doing really well. Um, and so at Tazacorte, you go into the the volcanic sand for a little while again, and then you turn onto uh, what they call the Valley of Sorrows, which is a, a long, dried up riverbed for three k. Two k of it is compact stone it's not that bad um it's just like walking on a pebbly beach and then you start to boulder a little bit and then then the bit that i didn't know and i'm really glad i didn't know about in my mind there were two ramps that took you back up to the town of las lanos where it finishes two little ramps okay no i think 1200 feet of concrete ramps to take you back up into the town um which just went on and on and on. Um, so I nearly lost my shit when I came around to the last one and just looked up and saw a, a tail light blinking up in the sky. And I, oh man, but you know, two, two, three K to go or something. So got up to the top of those, came in and you have this uh, three kilometer road section, I think it is, uh, up into Los Lanos to the finish. And I wanted to, 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 to go slowly at that point. I was really tired. It was... 11 hours, 15 minutes of running. Oh no, not 15 hours, 15 minutes of running at that point. But of course it's, it's now 11 o'clock at night, nearly. Um, I think half 10 or something like that. Um, the streets are full because it's Spain on a Saturday night. So that all the bars and restaurants are full. So every time I felt like I wanted to walk, some people would turn around and start cheering and clapping you on at which point you can't, mm-hmm. walk, can you? So it was forced speed, uh, to save face. Um, so I ran in the entire last way, pretty much, um, and crossed the line in 15 hours and 29, um, felt very happy, uh, walked off, immediately felt nauseous, uh, was directed to a big plastic bin liner, vomited whatever I'd just taken into there, sat down, uh, a nurse came over, um, took some vitals, uh, with a thing on my arm. And then they wheelchaired me down to the medical tent and put me on the IV drip. <laughs> so it was a bit weird. Huh. Sounds funny now, but uh... <laughs> yeah, at the time it was a bit. Um, I was dizzy, cold, my lips were tingling. I... Yeah, so you weren't in a good good way. No, they took my glucose levels and hooked me straight up to a, a two drips. I had I had two bags of fluids put into me, uh, laying on a stretcher, covered in blankets. And they were the best medical team I've ever had at a race. They were amazing. I mean, they were just, they were busy. The, the medical tent had other people on stretchers with IVs in as well. Some people had heart monitors on. It was pretty Let's let's not Let's not turn this podcast into a situation where we're rating how good medical staff are at the end of races. Eh? <laughs> I don't think we want to be exploring um, the quality of the uh, medics, you know? <laughs> Reassuring, though, if you're going to do this race. Um yeah, it, it it was brilliant, and the whole event was supported by the island. So many people out on the, you know, seen this before. It was it's a brilliant, brilliant race. I recommend it massively. Um, so yeah, fifteen hours twenty nine done. Got my medal. Uh, got my three points for UTMB for next year. Uh, have my stones. Um, Did you have doubts about finishing it at any point? Yeah, yeah. Um, Where, whereabouts was the, what? Where was the lowest point? Do you think? Vomiting on my shoes um, in the middle of a forest and not knowing how high I had to go. It was just like, F this. Um, <laughs> no, what am I doing? I'm too old. Um, I'm too 
fat i'm too whatever you know it's all going through my mind i'm like i was really yeah. when i finished i was absolutely gutted because i came here i wanted to be validated how far i'd come in my running journey six years ago i i missed the cut off here it's my second ultra and i thought you know what i've improved so much i'm gonna come here i'm gonna smash it so when it unraveled mm. i felt i felt what i, I thought what I've, I've wasted my time i've done all these races i've done all this i've come back here and i've still just scraped to finish i was really pissed off massively actually i was laying there in the medical tent sam's waiting outside i thought what, what am i doing i've put my wife through this thing of, of coming all the way out here and i'm laying on a medical tent she sat outside uh you know what what, a, you know, what an adventure this is so and i thought screw this this is this this is my last ultra and then i looked at it from a different viewpoint which was i wouldn't have i wouldn't have finished this race in the same condition six years ago my body was super strong on the downhills my legs just absorbed everything um I had enough mental fortitude to deal with the adversity of it. Um, I felt like giving up and I didn't. Um, mm. And I still had a smile on my face when I crossed the finish line. So I thought, no, that's, that's the growth. Maybe it wasn't a growth in time. You know, I wanted a better time. We, yeah. all, we all want better times, don't we? It's, it's a sign of progress, like I say. But maybe the thing to take away from this one was that I dealt with the adversity so much better. Um, and yes, it didn't go right but I also held it together, um, had a blip and then brought it back and knew that I had to work much, much harder to get across that line. So there's the growth. So that, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, I think we've said, we've talked about this before. I think sometimes, um, you know, overcoming the adversity of, um, uh, you know, contracting an injury along the way of a race or, um, you know, having vomiting and, and whatever else, you know, stomach upset and then still managing to finish um, is just as great an achievement as, you know, podiuming or, or beating a PB by an enormous margin um, because it shows, uh, you, you know, overcoming that that situation shows extreme mental fortitude because, it's very easy to give up in a lot of these races, you know, and to persevere with it, you know, is, 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 is a serious challenge. So, you know, well done. And also what I'd say is, you know, using it as a sort of, um, trial to check your progress when you're only two months out of, um, CCC with not a huge amount of training in between, as I understand it, you know, it's not necessarily an accurate barometer of your progress, I wouldn't say physically. Um, you know, if you wanted to do that, then you need to put a good training block in, in the lead up to that race and then compare how you do. Mm. But nevertheless, you didn't finish it last time and you did this time. So oh, yeah. uh, it, progress has been made, um, even if it didn't really kill you to cross the line. <laughs> <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> We don't choose easy races either. Sam made this point to me today. No. We choose the really hard ones. And maybe that's why, because I thought, shit, I've scraped another finish here. I really wanted to fly through. I wanted a race to go well. I did the arc, obviously, just after COVID. So I gave myself a pass there. Um, CCC, I fucked it up. And so I wanted this one to go well. And um, But the, the, uh, these are hard challenges you know they're not yeah. simple easy races this is a brutal environment to go running um it's beautiful but it is brutal so yeah you know you know scraping a finish is a finish would i take a finish over a dnf anytime so yeah yeah exactly. I, I've, I've changed my opinion of myself has flipped around 180 degrees again so 360 in two days but that's ultra running isn't it it's a stupid sport yeah are you like browsing kind of what next race you're going to do next? <laughs> if you are, I would keep it, keep it secret from your, uh, from, from Sam. Maybe. Well, she knows what we've potentially got coming up next year. So we're, we're, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> more, more to come on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, or at least we're in that one together. So it's, um, yeah, I think, uh, we're going to hit the UTMB world series, uh, website later and pick out some places she wants to go on holiday so we've just been hiking up in the national park today 
um, putting some foot into the legs again. And, and legs felt brilliant. Legs felt absolutely fantastic. Just a little tired. Uh, no aches, no pains. Uh, we've got a pool in the place we're staying as well. So we're staying on a, an avocado plantation. So I've been dangling my legs in the pool, cooling them off. And uh, yeah, ready to go somewhere else, have some fun and a holiday and put some running in there as well. Cool. Well, I'm glad to hear you uh, on the mend anyway. Um, you were managing to keep food down and everything, I'm assuming, since the race. Yeah, my um, the, unfortunately with all the, the volcanic dust, I knew my throat would be sore. I had that last time. It's well known It's because it's glass particles, so it does rub your throat raw. But com- compounding that was the vomiting, and my throat yesterday was agony. Um, all I could manage was uh, yogurt. So just taking on some Alpro yesterday. It's all, even the mild, even bread was too sharp on my throat. It was like swallowing razor blades. So much better today. Yeah, it was really horrible. So some saltwater gargles, um, some echinacea, and everything's good today. Good stuff. Well, there's Um, another error to add to our trail podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. I'm sure I speak for everyone. I say thanks for recounting the story. Um, Well, hopefully it was interesting hear, uh, yeah well it's good to hear uh, an, a, an honest reflection of what sounds to be like a, a very um, traumatic experience at least in the second half anyway um, so yeah well done Jay thanks mate it was emotional <laughs> and um all right cool yeah uh sh- sh- shout out to uh george who i met in the race expo one of our listeners up in london and also marco who came over and said hello at the start line another one of our listeners in london thanks cool. for listening brilliant stuff <laughs> thanks for listening we will uh, see you next time cheers mate thank you for listening to this episode of the trail and error podcast if you enjoyed it don't forget to like subscribe And most important of all, share it with your friends and your family. Also, if you have any guest suggestions or suggestions for features that you would like to see on the Trail and Error podcast, please get in touch with us via our social media channels at trail underscore and underscore error underscore UK. It makes more sense when it's written down, I promise you. Oh, and we're on Facebook too. See you next time. Thanks for listening.